everyone, this is episode 636 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Monday, June 3rd, 2019. I am your host, Mark Kuznez, and today I'll be talking about Helmut, the badass, from hell. Where else would he be from besides Helmut? I mean hell. I'm already confused. It's Helmut, the badass from hell. Though you're not playing anyone named Helmut, I don't think. You're playing a floating skull who can transform into other more powerful creatures, only two from the start. One who throws a big hammer, who isn't named Thor, really an ugly looking fella. And then a giant rat, who is not called Splinter, and is not friends with some totally radical turtles. Just shoots a gun. That's a pretty good gun. I I like the giant rat. But it is a a little roguelite, arcadey, twin-stick shooter thingy. But in addition to that, I'll be playing, not playing, I'll be talking about, what am I going to be talking about? What is the name of this game? It is a tennis game, an arcadey, cartoony one, akin to the the super mega baseball games, though in no way does it look uh, like that. It's cartoony, but not in that cartoony. So I I hate the aesthetic of that super... Mega baseball game or whatever. Super Tennis Blast is the name of this game. And yeah, that's pretty much it game-wise. And then I got, I guess, some TV series uh, that I've watched in my uh, attempt to clear out my streaming cues. But before all that, I want to talk a little bit about Apex Legends very briefly, just to say, I won my second game solo. And for the record, anyone wondering, because somebody asked me this earlier, when I say I win solo, and when I say I'm playing Apex Legends solo, which I've done plenty of times, it is when my teammates drop from the game. Whether they drop at the very beginning because they didn't get the character they wanted, which happens seldomly, but... It happens at times. You can hear them scream, or like, oh, there's my character. And then uh, when you're in the, the ship, ready to jump, they're not there. And then there are those who will quit immediately when they're knocked down, not giving any teammate a chance to revive them. But that is less frequent than the ones who will quit out as soon as they get killed after being knocked down. They don't want to have to wait to get respawned, and then get all their loot or get new loot. They don't want to have to restart the whole experience, which I get to some extent, but it is also really annoying. Uh, And there are people who are, or there are those who will do that if you don't immediately make a charge for them, not realizing that maybe you want to strategize a little bit because you know there are people around there. Sometimes uh, enemies, uh, other players will kill someone or knock someone down and find a hiding space where they can't ping them and try to lay out an ambush for the rest of the teammates uh, or when they kill someone and the their container is there they'll they'll wait a good while so you have to keep in mind how much time you have to pick up your player's banner or your teammate's banner or revive them and think of how best to go about doing that if you don't have the best equipment with you or if your other teammate say is just going on looting and they don't give a shit about the teammate. But 
That is what I mean when I play solo. I'm not some asshole who just goes off on my own and leaves my teammates behind. I will do that if my teammates do that from the very start. If they, were during the jump, they trail off or jump solo and go their own way. If they jump far away from me, I don't give a shit about them. They are no longer my teammate. Even if they end up making their way back to me, like they looted their own section and then they reunited with the team, I don't give a shit about them. If they go down, I will be in no rush to revive them. I will revive them when all is done and like all loot is collected, but I in no way look at them as uh, someone to look at for or help first and foremost. They're on my shit list for the rest of that game. Uh, anyway, I played uh, a game earlier, and it was nice because it was the last game I played with my oatmeal. Uh, I had two wins this morning, but um, the last match, both my teammates dropped really fast. So I was by myself for the majority of the game, which sucked, and I was not expecting much from it. I had okay equipment. It took me a while to get even a blue bit of, uh, of armor and I got my first kill from another solo player who tried hiding I saw them in the distance I'm not sure how they didn't see me I was in the open but I saw them slowly crouching moving around and they got inside this crack that they were a Bangalore, uh, Bangalore and I got above them they didn't know I was there and then I just got my automatic rifle out I had the I had a oh god what is it the longbow and a what is the automatic heavy weapon gun? Why can't I think of the name of it? I, I really like it, but I can't think of it. Uh, the longbow was not a great choice for me as a solo player, but I, I took them out with my auto automatic weapon. They didn't know where it was coming from. They didn't even look up or anything. So I think they were just like, "Oh God, I don't like being in this situation." So I killed them. That's where I got the blue armor from, and I think maybe some heels and uh, shields and then I noticed a little while after that that it was down to three squads so me and two other squads and the circle was getting pretty small so that I was going to be somewhere near this team I hid for a little bit in a secluded location then when the circle started closing I started to make my move and avoided being seen while doing it because I could see other players in the distance and so I hid for a period of time until I started hearing shooting and saw on the screen that two players have been knocked down. And that made me realize, okay, because that's what I wait. Whenever I'm by myself and I'm down in the last three or so, uh, squads that is, I will wait until I see some players getting down and try to sneak my way into the fight after some damages have been dealt on both sides and pick up the pieces. And so, that is what I did. I initiated my ultimate. I was playing as Bloodhound, of course. So, uh, it was a very good ultimate for that part of the game, being able to see everyone highlighted in red. I sprinted towards them. There were two that were fighting each other. I think one of them down the other, and I downed the other one. And then I saw that there were like four people on the ground crawling around. And I was just looking to see where another person standing was. Uh, of course, somebody could have had a gold shield, and in that situation, it wouldn't have been ideal for me because I was in my ultimate mode. Couldn't see. I don't think you see shield colors in that mode, which is one downside to that. 
but eventually a uh what is his name an octane came running around they didn't see me as first i laid into them did a fair amount of damage they had a purple shield so i took out a good chunk of their health along with their shield reloaded they got a few hits in not too many and then i got a good chunk of bullets into them again and saw the the victory screen pop up and it was super satisfying it wasn't as intense as the other one uh maybe it's because i i'm already i'm already a solo winner uh i'm you know i'm no rookie to this anymore but it still felt really good you know winning uh the game winning apex legends always feels good but doing it by yourself even if you have to cheese it to a degree, I'm, I'm not going to take on a full squad by myself because I would get wrecked uh, in most cases, depending on what weapons I have. There's a chance, but yeah, winning solo feels extra nice. And I still love that game. I'm looking forward to Season 2. Uh, they're going in the right direction in terms of the way you earn XP, how much XP you need to level up, and... Yeah, the, the, the prizes, the rewards you get. Uh, so I'm excited to keep playing. I'm hoping that crossplay and progression pops in soon. So the, the, the player pool will be larger. Not that it needs it. I've never had an issue finding a match on Xbox One, at least. So, yeah. Excited for Season 2. I'm not sure if they've said when it'll drop. If it's going to, I don't you know, when Season 1 ends. If it's just going to jump right into Season 2. Or if there's going to be a little uh, break between the two, if it's just a week. But yeah, so moving on to what I've been playing. Helmet, the badass from hell. Like I said, it is a roguelike, twin-stick shooter, dungeon crawler thingy, where you play through a handful of levels, and then you go to a boss level, then another handful of levels, and a boss level, and you just do this until you reach the end. There are, I don't know, like eight bosses or so, and you fight a boss every two or three levels. I think it's two, but it might vary two to three. Uh, I've only played a little bit of it. And it's got nice pixel art. Uh, runs well. No issues with slowdown or anything like that. Which is important in a game like that. Um, I'm, of course, playing on the X. And, yeah, it's the music's alright. And... The gameplay is solid, but for whatever reason, it's not grabbing me. I'm not a huge fan of the enemies that I've fought so far in the game. I hate the achievements in the game. I've unlocked six of 22 achievements. I believe there are 22 total in the game, and the six I've unlocked so far are all worth one point each. Fuck that shit. I do not like that, but... Yeah, it, it's a competent thing. There's also a gauntlet mode, which is just a horde mode where you last as long as you can against waves of enemies, which is fine. You're protecting like this canister with a floating severed head that is bouncing on little tendrils coming out of its severed neck. It looks like at least. But in game, you are this floating skull. And the shtick of it is that you can transform into different characters. At the very beginning, there are these, there are only two available, like I mentioned earlier, giant rat and some really 
fugly looking dude with a giant hammer. And there's this eye of the beholder looking creature or whatever who will let you add new tra transformations during a playthrough. And if you beat the, the game, if you finish the game, a new transformation will be unlocked from the very beginning that you can take with you. Because you only take one at a time, but you can get these other ones during a playthrough if you finish a, a, a an area where you have to kill all the enemies within the time limit and you have to pay in order to just get the opportunity to do this which kind of sucks there's a shop where you can buy health and upgrades you can buy new weapons there are disposable weapons in addition to the characters the character based weapons and yeah the, the problem with me for the game just is that I'm not a huge fan of the enemies the shooting is fine and all that it's just while playing it, I was thinking of all the other twin stick shooters I liked more. And again, that's not to say that Helmet is a bad game or a bad twin stick shooter. It's just more in the middle of the pack. And I could think of so many others that I'd rather play, whether they're from 10 Tons Limited or going as far back as just playing good old fashioned Geometry Wars. That was the game that I was most thinking of. I'm like, Man, Geometrors was so simple but so great in its design and the, the enemies, the way they worked, were great. Like Some of the enemy movements in this game I really hate. I don't like enemies that can dash around. It drives, That just drives me nuts where they just, oh, they're here one second and then they're in this spot the next. I just, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, played it for about an hour and it seems alright. It just hasn't hooked me in in any way. And then Super Tennis Blast is a tennis game that is not a blast. Uh, it, it's cartoony in style. It's not realistic like the, the Top Spin series or even the Virtual Tennis series. Visually, the, the virtual, I mean, the Virtual Tennis series was more arcade, but you know, it still had a realistic sense to it. Um, and... There are a lot of characters. You can create your own character, which is nice from the character creator uh, menu. And it comes with, I think, a little over 400 pre-installed, pre-made up, uh, pre-made. Didn't need the up there characters. And there's a world tour mood, uh, mode and a quick play mode. There are some challenges which are akin to the stuff in Virtual Tennis where... You have to hit it inside a bullseye or hit these objects and uh, make a, serve the ball between these obstacles and stuff like that, which are okay. And they rain, they have a, a range of difficulties and a high score you need to in order to pass them. I play through all those, but that's fine. My problem with the game is that the, the mechanics, uh, the core gameplay doesn't feel good. The first thing I noticed, which I hated immediately, was that character movement feels like ice skating. You don't feel like you're grounded. You feel like you're just skating along the environment regardless of the surface, whether it's a hard surface, grass, whatever. And I don't like that. It feels weird. It feels wrong. It's just not the way 
anyone would expect a tennis game to feel in terms of movement. And then the act of hitting the ball and all that is okay. But at points where the ball is on the screen, I couldn't always tell whether or not the ball was on my side or the opponent's side. This more so happened in the challenge modes specifically, where it's like, is the ball still is the ball still going forward or is it now coming back to me? Like there was confusion in that sense. And then most of the difficulties are way too easy and the AI is real shitty. I would recommend playing regardless of how good your skill is according to you. Hard and above. I think there's a hard, like a super hard and ultra hard, but medium, easy and very easy. Don't even bother. They are so stupid. You can hit the ball back to them and they won't hit it. They'll miss it. Their reaction time is so, so, so slow that when you hit it to them, they're like, huh? What? What? Oh, the ball just went by, right? I can swing now and it'll still hit it. No, they won't. They'll never hit it. Um, yeah. It's disappointing because... I love tennis so much. I love playing in real life. I love watching it. I love tennis games. But we haven't had a great tennis game this year. I haven't I haven't played either of the I think there are two like realistic tennis games out there now. Um one that's like Tennis World Tour and then one that's like AO Tennis, I think. One of them being developed in Australia and then one I don't know where. Uh one of them just got a new like ultimate edition type of thing, I believe. I haven't played either of those, but I haven't heard the best about either, which is disappointing. And it m- makes me wish so so much that either the topspin games or the virtual ten- tennis games would hit backward compatibility for Xbox One. I know this wouldn't help PS4 users, but I love tennis. Tennis games are so much fun when they're well done. And we haven't had one this generation. It's sad. It is sad to see the lack of tennis games. Tennis is great. People need to realize that tennis is amazing in all aspects. It's super fun to watch. Probably on mute. When I say probably, I mean on mute. The the grunting is ridiculous. I don't know why that needs to happen. It doesn't. That's that's why it does. Uh, But yeah. Super Tennis Blast was in no way super or a blast it was tennis but not super and definitely not a blast it's very disappointing uh but that's pretty much all i played outside of resident evil which i did finish haven't recorded the audio for attack the backlog yet that'll be a fun interesting probably long episode because i i've got I don't know how much I have to say about the game, but when I get to it, I'll probably go on longer than I might expect because when I went into the game, I was I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure if I'd love it, if I hate it, if I'd fall somewhere in between. And I ended up loving it for the most part. Uh you know, it's it's not a perfect 10 out of 10, but it it's like a 9 out of 10. There are some Things I have issue with regarding the archaic design and, and, and all that. 
but there are parts of that same design that go a long way in creating that atmosphere and, and making the game extra tense and giving it a certain feel that you wouldn't get with a more modern sensibility. And I can appreciate that. Like I was telling my friend, you know, it's it's not better or worse than games now. It's different. And it still works. That was the thing that was most surprising to me. As a design, you know, the way it works with the, the pre-rendered backgrounds and fixed camera angles and all that, it still works. What doesn't work are things I'll get into in the episode of Attack the Backlog, but there are things that are added frustrations, things that make it more tedious that add to the backtracking and, and stuff like that in terms of the design. But the structure of the game and the way it's built and stuff like that, that's fine. And I wouldn't mind seeing more games like that. Um, you know, not every game has to feel quote-unquote modern. Uh, but I ended up really loving it. And it took me about like ten and a half hours which seemed to fall in line with the average on how long to beat, which was surprising. There's a way I the people who have who speedrun that game, I'm looking at it and I'm still like, how the hell do you do that? I I would have to play through it at least a few more times to get more accustomed with it. But it is a game I'd like to go back to at some point and play around with. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to play around with it as Chris. I guess I could because that will give me a new achievement. But the thought of playing through the game again with two less inventory slots sounds terrible. Because having eight was already terrible enough. Though I did realize uh, too late in the game that I was doing stupid stuff like carrying around the ink ribbons with me. For way too long. Probably 3-4 hours in the game. I'm like, why am I carrying these fucking ink ribbons with me? They are almost always... Uh, a typewriter is almost always, I think, maybe all but two times the very first typewriter you see. And then one later on in some area. Maybe in the, the, the residence. But I think all but two typewriters have a supply bin right by them. You don't need a fucking... You don't need to be carrying that shit with you. And then... Yeah. I also got to the point of realizing, you know, I don't have to shoot zombies all the time. I could just run past them. Why am I not doing that all the time? Um, so, yeah. We'll see. I, I don't need to replay it anytime soon because I have so many other games to play, like Resident Evil 2, can't wait to start that, but I want to, I don't want to start that until I record the audio. I want to record that audio while the game is still fresh and I'm not confusing it with another Resident Evil game. And then depending on what we hear at E3, after playing Resident Evil 2, maybe not right away, but uh, at some point I'll give a go to Resident Evil 3. Though I'd rather not, since that would be the only, no, Code Veronica didn't get any kind of upgrade either. I think the, the the Xbox Live Arcade version was just a port to Code Veronica and um, 3 are the only two that haven't seen any kind of update. Uh, I think, you know, Resident Evil 3 got 
a nicer version on Dreamcast and PC. And then Code Brown, of course, Xbox Live Arcade, I'm sure on PC as well. And that is backward compatible. Uh, and I think I have Resident Evil 3 as a classic that I can play on my PS3, which is probably the way I would do it. I, I could, I guess, do it on PC. I don't know where you'd get it on PC, if it's on Steam, good old games or any of that. But um, I really liked Resident Evil. It's a very, very good game. And it holds up very well. Uh, but yeah, that's it as far as I've, uh, what I've been playing. In terms of what I've been watching, try to watch Hell on Wheels, watch the first two episodes. Didn't grab me whatsoever. I, I didn't enjoy it. And I heard I heard a handful of people when I asked them about it uh, say that it gets really good after the first two seasons. The first two seasons had bad showrunners, but then they got the showrunner from Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and it got really, really good. And all I have to say to that is uh, thank you for telling me you have just reaffirmed my decision to not continue watching it because i in no way i'm going to sit through two seasons of shit to get to three seasons that are good and i'm not somebody who feels comfortable skipping whole seasons and jumping into the middle uh, of a series uh, to where it gets good i just i don't like doing that um then i watched lodge 49 which is an AMC show about this guy who lost pretty much everything as his family lost everything as his father ended up getting a lot of debt, dying or just disappearing. They don't know what happened to him really. They assume he died and he left the family with a lot of debt. They lost their business, lost their house and he's just kind of living day by day and he comes across this ring to a organization like the Masons. But I forget what they're called exactly. Anyway, I watched the whole series, all 10 episodes. It's coming back in August. And I'm not sure if I want to keep watching it. Because the entire time, I thought to myself, this is kind of interesting. Where is this going? And by the end of the season, I thought... What what happened? What when all is said and done, what did I get from this series? It kept me engaged, that's for sure. It didn't make me not want to keep watching. But once I watched the final episode of the first season, I didn't think, "Oh boy, I can't wait for more. Give me all. I'm I'm excited for the next season." I just thought, "Oh, well, that's done so i might give the second season a go and just watch the first episode when it comes out but it was a really weird you know there are mysteries with this organization and other things going on and weirdness surrounding the main character who was bit by a snake and his wound never healed and then it ends spoilers with him finally going back out in the water he hadn't surfed the whole time. Uh, and then he gets bit by a shark. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, and and the, the lead character is played by the, the guy who was in... Uh, he was in Overlord, the movie. But I think most people would recognize him from the Black Mirror episode. That's I think it's called Gamer. The one where the guy ends up in the house. And there's a giant spider. 
and that's all I really remember about that episode. But I watched Lodge 49, and it was all right. Other than that, I watched I try, I watched the first episode, and maybe a little bit. I don't even think I watched any of the second episode. Oh, Godsend, another Western. Helen Wheels is a Western, if you didn't know that. And that one really didn't do anything for me. I was excited for that. You have Jeff Daniels. Uh, then you have other people in it. But it felt like it was trying way too hard. I mean, it's it's trying to be super artsy with the the visual direction and the way it plays with lighting and desaturating scenes and having characters or little bits uh, highlighted with their color and all this stuff and lingering on moments or having these beautiful scenes, scenes that outside of context are really beautiful. But in context, in context, when you step back and just look at it and think about all these scenes that are cobbled together, you think, what the fuck was the point of that? And then you move on and then you get some narrative and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another scene that's well shot and all this and that. And you pause and you think, why the fuck did I need to see that? What is the point of this? What is the point of that? You're just being overly artsy for the sake of being artsy and i was not a fan of that um and the characters did nothing for me the one character who gets shot by the woman ranch owner in the neck who is the good bad guy uh he seems way too badass like he's way too capable um despite getting shot by her and none of, the, none of the characters did anything for me. That A Western, for me, is it works by the strength of its characters. The, the setting and all that, the, the atmosphere, the mood, the feel of the Old West, uh, the Wild West, etc. That's important. But it doesn't matter if the characters aren't well-rounded aren't interesting don't in some way grab me and make me want to keep watching them i don't give a shit about the place they're in i mean i do i love while uh old west movies and and tv shows you know i love deadwood i love a lot of the eastwood movies you know and i love magnificent seventh tombstone uh quick in the dead like they're they're i i love that genre subgenre, whatever you want to call it but all those movies, they work because of the characters. You know, Tombstone works because the characters are great. I mean, Tombstone wouldn't be a significantly lesser film if you didn't have Val Kilmer's doc in it. If you just removed him or replaced him with like some jabroni. I don't know why I just said jabroni. But... His portrayal is so great that you want to keep watching. Not to say you know, the rest of the performance is not great. You know, it's, it's a very well-rounded, great movie. But his character is so good. And there's nobody in uh, Hell on Wheels or Godsend that pulled me in. You, know, you look at Magnificent Seven, just the seven there in, in general pulled me in. I, I love that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
those two were disappointing. And then I think I watched a few others try to watch some of this and that. I noticed that Ali Wong romantic comedy is out with the one guy and Keanu Reeves and maybe someone else. So I think I might watch that tonight. I'm excited. And then I started watching this little short limited documentary series called Wormwood, which is from Earl Morris, who did The Thin Blue Line, Gates, is it Gates of Heaven or Gates to Heaven, about the, the, the people who, the, who lost their pets, and uh, what is it, Vernon, uh, he's good, he also did the, the Unknown Known about Donald Rumsfeld, The Fog of War, I'm a big fan of his and his documentary style, but Wormwood is about this CIA cover-up, six episodes, and it uses really well-produced, known actors, uh, well-done reenactment, long-form reenactments to fill in some of the blanks uh, and, and create these visual representations of the the thought of what happened because they they don't know exactly what happened uh, at least from the first two episodes they don't and I'm enjoying that so far I was confused at first because I thought that it was based on the Ben Temple uh, Temple Smith graphic novel and when I started watching I'm like what the hell is this this is not what I thought it was um, but I like it my only concern is that I, I'm getting the sense that it might turn into a bit of a drag that they're overextending the material for six episodes when it could have been, you know, two uh, episodes or just like a two-hour documentary, something along those lines. Um, Because, you know, there's still three hours left to go. And I feel like while both uh, the first two episodes were engaging, there were times where they did drag a bit and... That's my one concern with it, but I, I, I like it, and it's still, in the end, it'll only be six episodes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for what I've been watching all my jazz. So that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Kuznez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. Uh, <laughs> The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the video version of this here show or Attack the Backlog, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage and watch them there. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link, and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. Before I end the show for good, I will say that if you if you made it to the end of a previous episode where I'm talking about this shirt I got from Goodwill, I looked up the brand. I don't know. I don't know how f- much I got into it because I forgot what I said about it. But I looked up the the name of the brand. It's a woman's shirt. I don't. I don't think this brand does men's shirt. Doesn't matter. I ended up finding out that Target carries this brand. 
bought some mediums because that was the size of the shirt I got from Goodwill. Those are too small. So I returned those, got some large. Those fit pretty well. And yeah, I'm super happy with them. I got a bunch of them. And I'm currently, if you're watching the video, wearing a woman's shirt. Does it look like a warm shirt? I guess if you can tell that just that a scoop neck is not typically uh, something that people associate with those who look like men. Um, but I don't care. This material, I don't know, I can't remember what this material is, but it's super fucking comfortable. And I love the neck. It's just a t-shirt with a deep crude neck. I like that. Some people are like, no. The, you, you're not supposed to show your chest. That is gross. You know what I say to that? I don't give a shit. You know what clothes are for me? It's about me being comfortable. And I'm comfortable here. I don't like things constricting around my neck. It makes me very, very uncomfortable. So I'm super happy with these shirts. They're really nice. And I, I found some decent pants over at Target too. So that is nice. I think I'm... I don't know what it is. But I think I am at... A point in my life where I'm done with jeans. I'm just, I'm kind of tired of jeans. And just give me khakis, chinos, whatever the fuck they're called. And I'm happy with that. I got some like faded lavender colored chinos. And they're nice. Also, it's much easier to find chinos even if they're slim fits. That don't have goddamn skinny leg bullshit. I don't remember if I mentioned this either. But I got a pair of jeans at Goodwill. Maybe I mentioned this because I mentioned it to some people. But they were the worst skinny jeans I've ever worn because they were so tight that when I removed them, they would take my socks off with them. No matter what I did, they would take my socks off. Even if the socks had a tight fit on my feet, these pants would take the socks with them every time. So after a handful of uses, I was like, Ugh, you're going back to Goodwill. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. So, that was not fun. But, that is really the end. So, as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.